Scary, it's Scary Parish. It's Monday, November 23rd, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and we finally reached opening week of the 2020-21 college basketball season. Things are scheduled to get underway on Wednesday, and undeniably, we're going to start this season under less than ideal circumstances. We've been telling you for months that it would be a bumpy ride. And if you've been following the news, you know it's already very, very bumpy. Florida had a positive test in its program this weekend, so the Gators are shutting down for a week. They were scheduled to play number four Virginia on Friday, but the game has now been canceled. That news came Sunday morning. Then on Sunday afternoon, Baylor coach Scott Drew He announced that he's tested positive for COVID-19. His second-ranked Bears were scheduled to open the season Wednesday against 18th-ranked Arizona State, and then if they win, presumably play third-ranked Villanova on Thursday. But Arizona State said uh, it ain't playing uh, Baylor Bears, so that game was canceled, and Baylor is no longer in the 2K Empire Classic. Meantime, this morning, Ole Miss announced it has suspended team activities because of COVID-19 testing, contact tracing. This comes after Kermit Davis, the head coach, tested positive last week. Consequently, the Rebels' first four games of the season, including a December 5th matchup with Memphis, that's been canceled. And Duke's season opener against Gardner-Webb has been postponed because of a positive test in the Gardner-Webb program. So that's where we're at as of like 12, 15 p.m. Eastern on Monday. And there's a decent chance a lot of other stuff will have happened by the time you listen to this podcast. Bottom line, we're not off to a great start. We're losing games and coaches by the hour. Norlander, what do you make of the state of things two days before the scheduled start of the college basketball season? I got another one for you. Arizona's not going to play Northern Arizona on Wednesday <laughs> as well. So that was a fantastically thorough and informative start to the pod for our listeners who are no doubt excited for the season to start. But yet we have another one there. This is noisy. This is bumpy. We have more than 40 programs. I think we're actually encroaching on 50 programs right now that are on a halt due to due to COVID, and that's either because of positives within the program or it's because people within the program were around people outside the program who have tested positive for the coronavirus, and so now the team, as a necessity, has to be on a halt there. That number is only, unfortunately, going to go up. I did talk with a few coaches over the weekend, and... These coaches have tried their best to send their messages, to beg their players to try and not be 18, 19, 20-year-old men on a college campus and to not socialize. And they do say that for the most part, they feel like their team has been doing a good job. But this was the weekend where so many of these schools were going to have the student body leaving, going away parties, one last hurrah. And so there is kind of a general concern that 7 to 12 days from now, Parrish, the number is going to expand to another 20, 30, 40 of these because given how the coronavirus is, frankly, just inflamed around the entire country, it might be uh, an inevitability. So... I'll get to the Mohegan stuff in a a minute here, but just to kind of ping pong off of what you said there. Yes, it is no doubt about it. It's bumpy. You know, you're not going to have Duke on opening night. You're not going to have Baylor be able to play Arizona State. That was going to be one of the best games of the first day of the season. Uh, But it's understandable why that's not going to happen there. Um, And Scott Drew, by the way, told me that he thinks he got it through his children. uh, And then they conceivably got it from going to school because his entire family has it. They're all asymptomatic. He's like, I don't have symptoms. I wouldn't have even known I have this unless I tested. And that's kind of the whole point. 
That's kind of why I think that the virus is doing what it's doing is because there are plenty of people that get sick. You can speak to this in your own home GP, um, but people that are asymptomatic are still able to spread it. And so if you don't feel sick, you unknowingly pass it on and pass it on. It's very contagious, and that's where we are. And college basketball is not going to be immune to some serious postponements and cancellations. This is only the start of it. And I just bank on this happening. I mean, perish. Every single week for the next five months, you know, it's going to be anywhere from 20 to 80 programs that are straight up not able to play uh, for X number of days because they'll be on COVID halts. Yeah, I, I texted with Scott last night, and he told me the same thing, that he, he thinks he probably got it from his from his children. Um, but th- that's the thing. Like, you never know. When my wife tested positive, you know, I, I had several friends say, hey, well, do you know where we got it? And it's like, no, you know, who know? just living in America is where you got it. You know, it's it's impossible to know for sure. And it is fascinating the way this virus – and, and terrifying the way this virus um, can attack some people and 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 not others uh, can really be difficult for some people and not others. My wife is out of isolation now um, and feeling better, but she had about a five day period where she was in bed nonstop, feeling according to her as badly as she's ever felt. And though she came out of isolation on Friday and was up and around on Saturday, she still wiped out yesterday in bed all day, mm. slept till 11 a.m. That's just not like I've never known her to sleep till 11 a.m. Even when we were young and out till 3 a.m. She does not sleep in. She did not wake up until 11 a.m. yesterday and was in bed all day long. Meantime, I never got it. I never tested positive. My kids never tested positive. The night before my wife tested positive, me and my middle son both slept in the same bed as my wife right beside her. We never got it. And so hopefully Scott stayed. Oh, and so then, you know, so my wife had a a rough go of it. Um, Another friend of mine, a little younger than me, got it, um, tested positive because they knew they were close contact. So they went and got tested, not because they had symptoms and went through it with very little symptoms at all. Meantime, my coworker um, at the radio station, her mom, got COVID and uh, died on Friday, you know, otherwise healthy woman. She died on Friday at my son's middle son's school teacher got a teacher's assistant. First grade assistant got it. She died and, you know, got it two weeks later. She's dead. And so this is a scary thing with um, cases spiking all over the country. And it's especially scary for, the older coaches in our sport. Jim Beheim, of course, has tested positive earlier this month. Last, he had said he was asymptomatic. I, I hope that he has remained that way. But it's um nobody ever said it was going to be easy trying to navigate the season in the middle of a pandemic, and now here we are. Yeah, this coach is uh, publicly... This is near the full list, if not the full list. To this point in the past month or so, men's Division One college basketball, Bayheim, Tom Izzo, Washington State's Kyle Smith announced a few days ago he has uh, COVID-19, uh, Old Mrs. Kermit Davis, uh, Toledo's Todd Kowalczyk, and Oakland's Greg Campy. I had one source tell me there's another head coach in a power conference uh, Let's believe that uh, he might have it, but uh, that's not confirmed and that has not been announced yet. But we haven't seen the last of this, unfortunately. Um, there... There, I'll tell you this, too. Um, in the past 72 hours, there wasn't a push by any means, but I just, uh, from organizers to coaches, 
to one AD, there was just a, a lingering curiosity. I think this was frankly just venting, and maybe I was a sounding board, but it was, why are we starting Wednesday? Um, and I know you tweeted about this too, Paris. So I'm kind of I'm I'm lobbing the pitch into you here, but why are we starting Wednesday? Why are we doing non-conference games? Can we make an 11th hour, really an 11:59 decision to push back the start of the season? And I don't think that was a majority opinion, but when you just when the cases just keep coming in and it's rolling and it's rolling, the next school has a COVID pause. The next school has a COVID pause. I mean, I reported uh, multiple schools that are on COVID pause that still technically have not announced that yet, but they are not practicing right now. They are unable to practice and play games, and those schools already um, don't even have games scheduled because they had to be previously canceled there. But the NCAA and Dan Gavitt reinforced that the schedule was not going to be changed. We're going to have non-conference games. And for all I mentioned about, like, well, these players that kind of, you know, disobeyed orders from their coaches saying, don't go out and socialize here this past weekend, and will we have a bump in two weeks? There is a lot of optimism that with all the students off the campus, once we get to the middle of December, this is going to be more stable for college basketball. College football has had the benefit of having fewer teams, fewer games, outdoors, practicing uh, in different groups so that it can uh, work around the contract tracing stuff. But college football also held its season from start to about, you know, the 85% uh, mark with all of these students on all of these campuses. College basketball is going to have from now until at least the end of January, and if we're really being truthful with each other, Barring schools getting access to vaccines to give them to the student body and to faculty, there's a real chance that college campuses are just not going to have the student body on campus again for the rest of the academic year. So it's not going to be able to dodge uh, the correlation of, of skyrocketing COVID positive cases around the country parish. But for as much as there was, why are we starting November 25th? Can't we just think about pushing this back a little more? I still have heard plenty about, okay, middle of December, when our guys are really, truly isolated, we do think we're going to ha- – the ratio might dip. And instead of being a bell curve, it might really start to flatten on college basketball's curve. So just keep an eye out there. I got to see it to believe it, but that running theory, I think, has a little bit of credence to it. Yeah, I, I got a text from – I was texting back and forth with a, a power conference coach yesterday and with his permission – um, shared a, t- a text message. I cleaned up the cuss words again with his permission, uh, but shared the text message on Twitter that that I don't know sparked a, a lot of different conversations. His point was basically the point you're making, and I'm not sure it's a majority opinion. I, I agree with you, but it is certainly an opinion, and it is it's the opinion I would have, which is why are we doing this right now? Like we why why, why are we traveling? C- keep in mind, just so people know, the CDC has literally recommended that, that Americans not travel right now. They don't, they don't want Americans travel, and basketball programs are traveling all over the country. And so this coach's point was, why, why are we doing this right now? We don't need to play. Most, the, most of these non-league games are, are unnecessary, Getting on a plane right now is unnecessary and in defiance of the CDC. And his point was mostly we should have just committed to conference-only schedules that start late from the jump. I I wrote a column more than three months ago that said go to conference-only schedules starting in January. And I reread the column yesterday morning, and 
if I were rewriting it today, I would change a few points I made, but not many. I, I still believe that playing non-league games is unnecessary. The only necessary thing in this season was to hold an NCAA tournament. That's it. Hold an NCAA tournament and complete it, crown a champion, cash a check. Non-league games are not a prerequisite to holding an NCAA tournament. Um, it, 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 it's better if you can do it, but it's an unnecessary risk in the middle of a pandemic. And I have for, for months now said that I did not believe college basketball would actually go to conference-only schedules, but that I did believe that they would regret not doing it. And I don't know that anybody of importance is going to acknowledge publicly that they regret not doing it. But, you know, the, the, the idea that we're going through all of everything we're going through to, to try to create a Charlotte against Tennessee basketball game or a Duke against Gardner Webb basketball game or a Memphis against Arkansas State basketball game just seems again it's it's an unnecessary risk it do, whatever you gain from playing those games games largely without fans by the way um, it is not worth the the risk and the headache to the central and and only goal which is we got to get to a place where we can hold a 2021 NCAA tournament I know some coaches would agree with you, and I know some coaches would definitely disagree with you. I would have started the season with league play first, and the goal is to get all your league games in, fill that inventory, and then if you have room on the back end, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and you can squeeze in a couple non-conference games, flip the season on its head, do a literally an unprecedented season that way, play your league games first, and then try and determine if you can improv and, and figure out some other stuff. It's never going to happen. I think it would have been the best option. So I'm, I'm meeting you a little more than halfway with the, with you on that, GP. Uh, but this is what we got. And we are going to have non-conference games this season. We are going to have some interesting ones this week. Just so listeners are aware, keep an eye out with all of this stuff because it's going to, like, you know, follow Parrish on Twitter if you're not already at Gary Parish CBS. I'm at Matt Norlander. We will continue to give you updates on all of that as it comes in and as it's relevant with teams that actually matter. Uh, I am going to Mohegan Sun this week. I will be in the bubble there. I will be reporting from there. We'll be doing podcasts from there, and I'll be there um, for pretty much uh, a week if, if the good teams <laughs> wind up staying there. Um, so having, having said that, um, as we record this, I don't think that... Ba- that Another big headline is Baylor's out of the empire, but I don't think Baylor's going to Mohegan Sun. Uh, I could be proven wrong within an hour of this podcast going up, but I'm just going to, I just don't think that it's going to be able to find teams to be able to play it. And we saw this happen over the weekend with college football. Clemson was supposed to play Florida State. Clemson had a positive case, one of its players, who traveled with the team on the plane to Tallahassee, Florida State said, ah, we ain't good with this. And I understand Florida State's position with that. Dabo Sweeney kind of made an ass of himself with the quote he had afterward. I don't know if you saw that or not, Parrish. The Baylor thing is not exactly that, but the fact of the matter is Scott Drew was around his team for a certain amount of time. We don't know if it was a day, two days, three days that he would have had the virus. And I can understand why teams don't want to play Baylor because you just don't want to, you don't want to chance that. Why even, why even open up that invitation? So I don't expect that Baylor, arguably the best team in America heading into the season, is going to have those game opportunities at Mohegan Sun. Keep an eye out for how they might be able to negotiate other matchups there because that's the... They're going to be interesting games elsewhere. I mean, South Dakota is going to start on Wednesday as well. They have eight teams. They've been... I think they only have three of the original eight that were going to be in that field when it was going to Atlantis. Memphis, West Virginia, 
And there's another one in there that I'm I'm blanking on. Wichita State. Wichita State. There we go. So those are the three of the original eight. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And then, by the way, we will podcast again for everyone geeked for the start of the season. We will have another fresh episode for you ready on Wednesday morning to start the season. San Francisco against Towson is going to happen. I feel like 99% confident of that because both teams tested negative on Monday. San Francisco literally flying across the country to get these games, and we will have a 9 a.m. tip on Wednesday morning to start college basketball season. I'll be in the arena for Mohegan's, at Mohegan Sun to, to watch that. So just keep an, uh, keep an eye out uh, with all of that. But, yeah, it's it's a cluster, GP, and we're just going to have to we're just going to have to roll with it and adjust and on a – it's going to be impossible to keep up with, but on a daily basis, this is just going to be part. And it's, and if college basketball is going to get criticized for it, I understand that. I would side with some of that, but uh, this was always going to be the way that we're going to do it because you said the one thing they have to have is the NCAA tournament. Well, they actually need two. You can't have a tournament without a season. Got to have a season some way, somehow. No matter how big or small, you got to have a season and you got to have a tournament. So this is the way that they're going to go forward with it. And We'll see where we go from here. I have some optimism about it. I have some concerns, real concerns about other elements of all this that's happening here. But one way or the other, Wednesday, we're going to have games. I, I would actually, I, and I'm not going to uh, propose this um, or suggest that it's what they should do, but I would actually push back on you can't have a tournament without a season. Like, why not? Who says? You could. What are you? Just, what are you going off of? Like you just you tell you tell every conference again. I'm not proposing this. I'm just saying you could. Uh, you tell every conference um, whoever was voted. Uh, however, you just tell us who you want to put in the tournament. Everybody gets one, and so then everybody sends one. However, you want to do it. You could do, make it off preseason poll. I, you could take it off computer. I don't care. Just hey, you tell us who's your auto bid, and then have a committee based on. Uh, projections just paper who like, so no okay. literally no data no no none, results none, whatsoever none. i mean can just you say, do it yes is that absolutely ridiculous of course it is <laughs> yeah i know but you could do it. i'm just saying you could do it you could say this is our bracket um uh villanova B baylor gonzaga and virginia are the one seeds just totally off projections and go play the tournament i, I i'm not saying you should i'm just saying you could it's not impossible <laughs> i mean if we're comfortable building a bracket off of 12 games why can't we be comfortable building a bracket off of zero i, I don't care i Again, I'm not proposing it. I'm just saying you you could do it if you decided you're going to do it. Um, with Baylor, the other thing working against Baylor trying to get games at Mohegan Sun is that, is that they're awesome. So, like, why, if you are a yes. college basketball coach, why, with, with, with a, uh, unless you're Jay Wright or Mark Few or Tony Bennett, you've probably got an inferior basketball team to Baylor's basketball team, at least on paper. So, why do you want to, agree to play a team that, that whose head coach just tested positive and, and you don't know if one of the players is going to be carrying the virus now, but it's not showing up in test. And then you got to, you, you're at risk of having a, a, a transmission that shuts your program down. Oh, and by the way, you'll probably lose the game. Like, why do you want to, why do you want to do, why do you want to do that? I, I, I do think it's important for basketball programs, coaches to look at all of this stuff practically. Like I, if, if you gave me the option to go to Mohegan Sun right now and play Baylor, I'd just say, no, I don't want to do that for two reasons. They might be carrying the virus and they'll probably beat me by 15 points. I, I've made the argument that Memphis should not go to South Dakota uh, anymore because one of the benefits to going was that originally Memphis was going to open with nationally ranked Ohio State. You win the game, you play nationally ranked Creighton. And if you win 
No, you win that game, you play nationally ranked West Virginia. And if you win that game, you could play nationally ranked Creighton. You'd get three high-profile games, arguably the three best games on your schedule. Well, now, like you pointed out, uh, five of the original eight teams have pulled out of that. The event organizers pushed Memphis and West Virginia on opposite sides of the bracket. So now Memphis goes there. You're playing a, a good but not great St. Mary's team. That they're good enough to beat you, but they're you're not they're not good enough to where if you beat them, it's going to matter that much. Um, then you get a whatever opponent, and then in theory, you could get a game against West Virginia. Uh, the positivity rate in South Dakota right now is above fifty percent. Deaths are up, hospitalizations are up. So why do you want to fly when the CDC says don't fly to a place where case it's which is it's bad as anywhere else in the country or at least close to it, and then you're putting yourself at risk of taking bad losses. And, and you have very little opportunity and maybe zero to get good wins. Like, practically speaking, why are you doing this? And I think every program in America probably needs to be thinking along those lines. Uh, my last thing on this, and we can move on. Um, one, amazingly, to this point, knocking on wood, I actually don't think they're going to get to Friday. Right now, the only multi-team event in college basketball. Trivia time! Okay. Trivia time. Mm-hmm. The only multi-team event in college basketball that has not had to change one of its teams since the field was publicly announced earlier this year is... I don't know. It's the Maui slash Asheville Invitational. All eight of those teams, and I'm going to try and vamp them off the top of my head. That is Indiana, North Carolina, Providence, Texas, UNLV, Davidson. There's two more in there. There's two more in there. I can't remember who they are. None of, no one has 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 dropped out. They don't have COVID positives yet. Everything is still safe. I'm told by multiple sources there are two teams in the wings in driving distance to sub in if they need to at the last minute. They got to get to Friday with nothing but negative tests and then they can uh and then they can make it happen. Who are the other two teams? I mean you could probably just like put type it into google right now and figure it out you don't have to wonder about things that's it drives me crazy when people wonder about things now like my wife does this every once in a while she'll be like i wonder what the weather is going to be like tomorrow it's like you don't have to wonder about that you're holding a phone you can find that out in a second i hey i wonder what time the movie starts again you don't have to wonder you've got an app on your phone you you have to wonder anymore you can just figure everything out in a matter of seconds you the people I, i Back when you'd go sit around a table and like, you know, talk with people and have drinks and stuff, I'd get so people holding phones that could tell them anything. Like, you know, I want who was that person in that movie? You could just go, it's not you could find out in five seconds. We don't have to sit here and and and, and wonder about it unless we're playing trivia time and no cheating. But the days of wondering. 2020 sucks in so many ways, but one good thing about 2020, you don't have to wonder about anything anymore. If you're trying to figure out who's playing in that Maui event, just Google it. I am, I, first of all, I'm pro-wondering, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm very, uh, wonder, wonder leads to some amazing things here. I went to, I went to the site and it wasn't easily findable, but here I forgot about Alabama and Stanford. So Bama, Davidson, Indiana, Carolina, Providence, Stanford, Texas, UNLV. Those eight teams are the original eight. And as of Monday at 12.39 p.m. East Coast time, they're still in. My last thing for you is this. I When you were talking about all this stuff about why not playing Baylor, one of my favorite texts I got over the weekend is this. Doctors are making decisions. Coaches are blowing gaskets. Administrators are picking and choosing when to play the COVID card, depending on if they can get a win or not. This is actually what's going on. And by the way, the season starts now in two days. That's absolutely accurate. And 
you know, whatever. Let's just let's just get to Wednesday. Wednesday feels like a week and a half away, honestly. I know it's two days away, but who the hell knows what's going to happen the next time we podcast tomorrow night. That's all I got. One last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Um, in the tweet that was a text from a coach that I sent yesterday and got a lot of attention, the coach's frustration was directly aimed at the NCAA. He said... The NCAA talks about student athlete welfare, and yet they've got, uh, you know, uh, basketball teams flying all over the country in a time when the CDC is recommending not to travel. And a, a lot of people accurately pointed out, hey, like the NCAA is not making anybody get on a plane and travel. You, you don't, you know, the NCAA doesn't make your schedule. If you don't want to travel or even play games in November, you don't have to. Nobody's putting a gun to your head. And that is that is true. I, I acknowledge that. Um, I, I guess – the point, because I circled back with the coach, and I was like, you, you see some of these responses. What do you think about that? And, and the, the, the point he made, and I think this is also true, is he said, listen, once the NCAA says we are good, to, we can do these things, then we're under incredible pressure from our conferences, from our administrations to do these things. You know, once they say you can do it, then we were all going to do it, except for the Ivy League, because they're, they're maybe smarter than everybody else. But he said, um, my, his, he said, my larger point was they should prevent us from doing it. They could have. They should have. You know, they, can, they tell us we can't pay players. They tell us when we, when we can't recruit. They tell us when we can't do a million things. Why couldn't they tell us that we don't need to travel and play games in November? They, they could have if they wanted. His point was, I wish the NCAA would have saved us from ourselves and forced us into conference-only schedules. And I, I fundamentally agree with that. I want to be clear. I have never once, not on radio, this podcast, Twitter, a column, suggested that we should not try to have a college basketball season. Nobody wants that. Even the coaches who don't want to play right now don't want to not play at all. Even the Ivy League coaches don't want to not play at all. I've never suggested we shouldn't have a season. I just suggested we should have the simplest season we could possibly have. And in my mind, that was conference-only schedules inside of a bubble. And if you didn't want to go inside of a bubble, then conference-only schedules do the best you can. I, I have for months been against the having non-league games. I just didn't think they were worth whatever risk they presented. And I, I, I you know, I, I promise you, we're not going to do three, three podcasts a week with me saying, I told you so every time these games are canceled. I, what is the point of that? But I, I just think it would have been smarter to make this as simple as possible and this in an attempt to reach the goal of having and completing the NCAA tournament. And it would have been much simpler, undeniably much simpler to just have conference only schedules. Let's move on. Auburn announced on Sunday night that it has self-imposed a postseason ban for this season. We're going to get into that next, but first check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Auburn announced on Sunday night that it has self-imposed a postseason ban for this season. It's in response to an NCAA case that has generated a notice of allegations but remains unresolved. Norlander, um, in general, because I wrote about this last night, how do you feel about self-imposed postseason bans? Are you okay with them? I am okay with them. I don't think that they need to be the cure-all. And this is starting – It's you aren't the, you you have you know made some noise with this and i i feel like this is now the the thinking on this is evolving from where it was 5 years ago i don't remember anyone and it certainly could have been out there but there's just nothing that springs to mind back when syracuse did this uh mid-season when it wasn't going to make the the tournament i think that was 14 15 gp 15 16 one of those years um Georgia Tech did this last season when it wasn't going to be good enough, and then actually Georgia Tech, amazingly, a hell of a unintended coup there because there was no postseason period, and the NCAA honored the punishment, by the way, as it should have. Just because Auburn is choosing to do this doesn't mean that it's going to suffice. I think it is a good thing to have schools willingly be proactive about punishing themselves to such a severe point that that is at least showing that they are trying. Um, doesn't mean that the NCAA has to accept it. We still don't know what's in Auburn's notice of allegations. There's a couple things here. I, don't, I won't be too long because I want to I have a little bit of a back and forth with you. But Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated reported that Sharif Cooper's eligibility is currently under question. Jeff Borzello reported he hasn't been able to practice in weeks. Actually, Borzello also reported that he's exploring potential options about going overseas while his eligibility is kind of up in the air there. So that's Auburn's not going to be good this season and Cooper might be its best player. And you know, all of these things are are connected. This is obviously going back to the FBI situation. And to me, Auburn doing what it did signifies that it just doesn't believe that it's going to be good this season anyway. So why not just try and get ahead of it? So again, I won't be long on this. That's my initial. I know you think that, uh, Auburn has every right to do this, but your your bigger question though is like, should this should this continue to be part of the calculus on the university side of things, right? Right. I would not allow this. Like, you know, if you put me in charge, just said, hey, GP, you're in charge. You can make the rules however you want. I'd change a lot of stuff. This is one of the things I would also change: um, the ability for universities to strategically punish themselves because you you say this at least shows um that a university is trying to be proactive and say hey we were wrong uh, we're going to punish ourselves but i i think more often than not it's a university gauging the the its reality and saying okay listen we're about to get smacked 
we'd rather get smacked now when we're coming off a season where we've lost, where we're having to replace all five starters. We were picked seventh in the SEC. We're preseason 66 at Ken Palm, 108 at Torvik. And oh, by the way, our five-star point guard, uh, his eligibility is being scrutinized. I was told last night that the family has not been fully cooperative with the NCAA, um, which is obviously problematic because the NCAA, uh, they, they've done this with several prospects over the years. They say, we want this, 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 document, document, bank record, all this stuff. And the family says, you don't have any right to ask me for that. And they say, okay, fine. We'll, we'll just, we'll just, We'll just sit here, you know, like we, we and then the, and then the, the family says, well, you know, the, the process is going too slow. Well, no, you're not. We told you what we wanted. You won't provide it. And so now we're just in a holding pattern waiting on you. And so it's interesting to hear that Shree Cooper is now exploring overseas options, starting to look more and more likely he never plays at Auburn. So is Auburn really trying to take its medicine or is Auburn just strategically, um, uh, uh, t- uh, self-imposing a postseason ban because they know they ain't going to the postseason anyway. Mm-hmm. And they also just got a commitment from a consensus five, uh, uh, a top five prospect in the class of 2021 who, you know, if, if you can tell him, hey, listen, we're banned from the 2021 play tournament, but our punishment will be behind us by the time you get on campus, then maybe he actually comes to campus. If he if he is still at risk of enrolling at Auburn and suddenly being banned from the NCAA tournament's freshman year, I would assume he looks elsewhere. So it was interesting reading Bruce Pearl's quote last night in a, in a release statement because he said, you know, we just want to get this behind us. It's, it's a hard thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. Um, I, I, I agree it's the smart thing to do for all reasons stated. You're probably not going to the tournament anyway. So, like, let's take our postseason ban. But there is no guarantee that this actually puts um, this issue behind Auburn. If the Committee on Infractions wants to add an additional postseason ban, it, it, it reserves the right to do so. Just a surreal four or five day run here for Bruce Pearl. Um, last seen on camera outside of a Ingalls grocery store on the outskirts of LaGrange, Georgia, doing a hit that looked like it was on a phone that came out in 2009 saying the words character counts when talking about uh, Isaac Coro getting drafted in the top five. And then within a matter of days, Auburn self imposes a postseason ban for 2021. And now Sharif Cooper. Eh, he might not ever play for the Tigers there. If Auburn was supposed to be as good as Alabama, just to pick an, uh, a random school out of the hat there, you know, Alabama's potentially top 125 team certainly sets up to be a team that should be able to make the NCAA tournament with uh, with room to spare there. Does Auburn do this? I think the answer is no. You look at Oklahoma State. It's trying to win on appeal right now, and if it didn't have Kate Cunningham, it would not be an NCAA tournament team. Would it have opted to do this? It has not because it thinks that it might be able to have a chance to win, if not extend out that process to make it eligible for the 2021 NCAA tournament if it's good enough to get there. So uh, Bruce Pearl, this is obviously yet another ding uh, on his resume. He has now put two SEC schools in peril, Tennessee one, Auburn two. We don't know what's on the NOA. 
but clearly it has to be severe enough for them to be doing this. Uh, remains to be seen if and when we're going to get to see the details of the allegations from the NCAA toward Auburn and to what end and what uh, Pearl will have pinned against him. I presume it'll be uh, head coach accountability charge, just like every other one of these coaches that has been involved in this. Uh, the head coach accountability charge, or just about every other coach, that uh, seems to be unavoidable. And then um, within the Auburn athletic department, you know, lack of institutional control, et cetera, et cetera, on and on there. So Chuck Person, just as a reminder, he took more than he is alleged to take at least ninety one thousand and change uh, in bribe money and afforded the uh, family's representatives of Daniel Purifoy and Austin Wiley, uh, you know, north of $10,000 each, um, to, again, for them to help persuade them to sign with um, certain representation uh, and marketing people after they were to leave college there. Um, Auburn's deal was a little bit different. I'm not going to get into the weeds on it, but Auburn's deal was actually a little bit different than Oklahoma State, Arizona, and USC uh, person was actually in a different trial altogether. He had some other stuff tangled up in, but still it's a bad, it's, it's, it's not, you could, I'll put it this way. You could actually make a compelling argument that Chuck person was more of a rogue missile than the other assistants in the other three schools. But what he was doing was just as egregious, but in a different way. So Auburn's still going to get pinned for this, but it is, uh, trust me, you know, Bruce Pearl has to know what's going on in this program. If this ultimately costs him his job, um, that's not going to be a surprise at all. But if you really go back and, and read the reporting and listen to the podcast when we did this, uh, person was actually like really going out and, and, doing things dishonestly and misleading uh, a lot of people along the way there. And so he had his own trial that he ple- that he pled guilty to. So if and last thing, Parrish, like just because Auburn's doing this, it's, it's not going to stop the NCAA or if it goes to the IARP saying, okay, well, you knocked yourself out of 21, but you, okay, we're going to, we're going to put another one, 22 on top of it. So one last thing on this, uh, under, I've had some people say it's, it, accurately in in most cases and perhaps all cases like you can't do this to the players what about the freshmen who enrolled at auburn thinking they were going to have a uh, an opportunity to play in the 2021 ncaa tournament now that's ripped away three days before the start of the season what about the players who returned to auburn under the idea that that punishment was going to come down the road they would be able to participate in the 2021 ncaa tournament if they were good enough to do it how do you do those to those players and under most circumstances i would say you're exactly right it's among the reasons I don't think schools should be allowed to self-impose postseason bans. Like when Louisville did it a few years ago, they, I thought that was real wrong because they had multiple transfers who were in their final year of eligibility, of eligibility, both of whom said when they transferred to Louisville, I'm I'm coming to Louisville because it's my dream to play in the NCAA tournament. And Louisville was like a top 25 team, top 10 at Ken Palm, I believe. And the Louisville administration ripped that opportunity away from them in an attempt to self-impose postseason ban, get it behind it so it doesn't impact the program long-term. I thought that was way wrong. little different at Auburn. Every player on Auburn's roster enrolled at Auburn after Chuck Person was arrested in a way that was always going to lead to NCAA issues. So if you were concerned about ever being banned from the NCAA tournament, if you're a current Auburn player, you should have probably picked another school. You knew what you were possibly walking into. So it doesn't mean I don't feel badly for them, just not as badly for them as I would um, players who were actually blindsided by a situation they had nothing to do with. Uh, We got more breaking news, Norlander. I'm seeing it. Oh my gosh. 
Tennessee has suspended all team activities because of positive COVID tests in its program. And Rick Barnes, who is 66 years old, by definition, according to the CDC, at high risk of serious illness or death from COVID-19, has tested positive. Um, I mean, we couldn't even get to a podcast without more breaking news on the COVID front. But this is the, you know, it, it, this is the column I wrote many months ago, uh, very early on in this pandemic. Um, the, the, the older coaches in our sport, um, you know, the, I was worried about them. Um, it is t- true that young people should have very few, little problems with this. But as you get older, um, it, it can really get tricky for you. Like I said, my friend Cindy, who works with me, mom was, I mean, you could go to her Facebook page and mom is healthy, out and about, like living life, vibrant, gets COVID-19. She died this past Friday. Um, Rick Barnes is 66 years old. Jim Beheim is in his 70s. Um, you know, so I, I hope that, uh, obviously, I hope that Rick cruises through this thing, um, no problem. But it, it's, it is a scarier deal for the older coaches. And here's another high-profile older coach who has contracted this virus. Yeah, and I mean, literally before we could even wrap on a podcast, uh, that's obviously highly notable. So our best to Rick Barnes, and uh, hopefully he is able to recover quickly and safely and and get healthy as soon as possible there from a scheduling note tennessee was supposed to host an mte with charlotte and vcu um for all we know that this news landed as those teams are already on their way there so they're gonna have to uh stop the bus uh turn around and 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 regroup or maybe VCU and Charlotte can figure out a way for one of those teams to, to host a game uh, coming up here in, in the next couple of days. I think we will have some scheduling improvisation that goes down there. So that's the latest again uh, for everyone listening here on Monday, we are going to record again, Tuesday night, um, late Tuesday night. You'll have it for you waiting in the pod fresh and early. And I mean, early Wednesday morning. So if you want to listen to another episode before we actually kick off games, there will be games. We are going to have games. We will have another episode for you to get you uh, to get you hyped for the start of the season. This is more of a survey of, of where we are, you know, the Auburn stuff, and then with all this. Um, but whatever games we have scheduled as of late Tuesday night, give you a little bit of preview action there. We can actually talk some hoop too, in addition to the other newsworthy stuff that is inevitably going to land between this afternoon and uh, once Wednesday morning gets here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my life. If you enjoy it, tell somebody about it. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. Knock that out. We're going to talk to you again, like Norlanda said, real soon. Until then, take care.